This is Cooper Cup, and you're listening to Roster Watch. Ladies and gentlemen, Roster Watch Nation, welcome back to the epic Roster Watch podcast brought to you by RosterWatch.com. My name is Alex Dunlap, and we have a new guest to the pod this week. I've been following this guy on Twitter for a long time. He's the number one most accurate expert for 2019 in-season rankings over at FantasyPros.com. He is Justin Boone. You can find him at Justin Boone on Twitter. He works over at The Score. Uh, Justin, what the hell's going on, brother? Man, it is a busy time right now. Like I kind of thought without preseason games that it might be even a little bit slower. And yes, like normally during the preseason, every night where there's games, I would do a big takeaways article. I try to watch every single game and try to do all the little blurbs and everything that we might need from it. I figured, you know, okay, I'm not going to have to do those. So that's going to be a good thing. Yeah. But I'm not doing those. We're getting even more news, I feel like, trying to keep up with all these training camps, trying to decipher, you know, which beat writers kind of have a good pulse on things and and who might be just kind of giving their opinions, all that sort of mm-hmm. stuff. And on top of that, some of the injuries, some of the COVID stuff, It's it's been a, a wild August so far, and it, it's not done yet. we got a couple more weeks here before the season. But I appreciate you having me on. I'm uh, – it's great to come on for the first time here. I'm sure we'll probably do it again down the road at some point, but uh, it's nice to be here and it's nice to talk ball. Yeah, man. And thankfully, you know, knock on wood, not, not, a, not a whole lot of COVID stuff to, to, to deal with, thankfully. And the other thing is, I, I mean, I got to, I got to push back a little bit. It, 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 it would have been much harder if we had preseason. I mean, you forget what a grind that is, dude. Have to, to have to buy that preseason pass, watch back the games, tell everybody, how many snaps so-and-so was in with the starters, how many snaps this he was in with a starting quarterback, and then having to, I mean. And maybe just, it's just different, I guess. It's just yeah, a, it's a it's different just, thing. And maybe I'm feeling hard. a little lost in a certain respect because you don't have those preseason games yeah. to kind of get some of those takeaways. So having to judge, I, I, you know, I brought this up on our podcast. You know, I've spoke about this the last couple of weeks here, and I feel like I do it every year, but you can't overreact to this news that's coming out. Right. And because right. now the training camp stuff is the only thing we're getting, it's become that much harder to try to decipher, right. What's, what's the good stuff and what isn't and to not overreact when you haven't heard something about a player because there were no rookie camps and no OTAs and all that. And now no preseason. So you haven't heard maybe a blurb about a guy all off season long. And then boom, that beat writer chimes in with, Hey, he had a great day today. And now you're going, man, I want to move that guy up my rankings. Now you're getting excited. It's just one blurb. It's just one guy's <laughs> right, opinion. Right? right. So yeah, no, well, that's the part I'm looking at. We need to touch on a couple of like of these situations and, and, and get your insight on them. Justin, the first thing I like another day, another one of these positive reports on Damian Harris out of, out of new England, we don't know exactly what's going to happen with Sony Michelle. They're acting like he could be back for week one, but I mean, I'm of the opinion. Like one guy, I always kind of listen to at least or read the tea leaves regard or listen to him. Uh, 
one guy who I try to extract information about the Patriots from when I listen to him on his podcast is, is, is Michael Lombardi because okay. he has, he has such a good connection to that yep, club, for sure. everything. And he just kind of said it casually the other day, but he said like Sony Michelle, like Sony Michelle is going to miss the first eight weeks of the season, blah, blah. And he kind of, he, he just, he said it in passing. It wasn't anything that anybody picked up on any sort of report. It's sort of just an under the breath sort of thing. I don't think he's going to miss the first eight weeks of the season, but for a guy like Lombardi to brush him off and say, this guy's kind of out of sight, out of mind makes me think there could be something more to the injury, or at least he might not be back quite as soon. We get all this good Damian Harris stuff. I mean, where, where are you on him? And does it feel like we are in the last days of possibly getting a discount on that guy? If, if you do have interest. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, and it's like we talked about when you have these things coming out in training camp, when it, you get that positive drumbeat and it just keeps coming, that's mm-hmm. when you know it. it's real, right? That's when you know when all the beat writers are saying it, when all the players and the coaches are saying it, and that's what we're getting with Harris. And who knows if he's going to hang on to the job once Sonny Michelle comes back. We don't know how that coaching staff will go about it. Who knows how they're going to go about things week to week. I mean, it's the Patriots' right. backfield we're talking about, right? But right. if you can still get him at a discount, and I think you can – He's definitely worth it right now. He moved up my rankings recently. I think you want to grab him in, you know, he might not be in that top 40 range yet, but he's starting to work his way up into that area for me. And it's because he's going to start the season as the starter there. That's what's about to happen. You look at Lamar Miller isn't ready. He's not really doing anything yet. You have Sony Michelle, who, like you said, I'm with you with, with Mike Lombardi. He, you know, a few weeks back had talked about how great Cam Newton was looking. And where do you think he's getting that from? He's got, if it's not Belichick, it's connections inside the Patriots, right? Like someone. Exactly. So, (laughs) so, you know, it's coming from somewhere and it definitely seems like Damian Harris is setting himself up to start the season, at least as the lead back there. And it'll be mostly the early down guy. But the one thing I like about him is he can catch the ball a little bit too. And the Patriots haven't really had that for a while. They have James White doing that role, but to have a lead back like Sony Michelle never really got him involved in the passing game. Uh, LeGarrette Blunt, you want to go back even further. Those guys, they were just those hammers. And then you had James White or, you know, Deion Lewis or someone. And maybe Deion Lewis is the last guy who kind of do both. Maybe Damien Harris could give them that and then it won't be so obvious. Maybe they could disguise things a little more. So I think it's really good for the Patriots. I think it's really good for fantasy owners because depending how you're going about your roster build, being able to get a guy like that. And like I said, even if he doesn't hold the job once Sonny Michelle comes back, if he gives you four, six weeks as a starter early in the season, that's going to be valuable in an offense with Cam Newton in an offense that I think people are underrating and, and maybe not giving Belichick and Josh McDaniels as much credit as guys who are going to scheme around the talent they have as guys who have always managed to figure out a way to produce offense, even when Brady wasn't around, whether it was that stretch where he was suspended and they had to start Garoppolo and Brissett, whether it was going back to Matt Castle starting at one point when Brady got hurt, they've always been able to make it work and they're going to figure out a way to put up points yet again. And yeah, Harris looks like he's going to be pretty valuable early in the season. And, and just something to tack on there, all, all great points by Justin, just something to tack on there is if you look at the strength of schedule, we, we do the strength of schedule projections for all the positions. I mean, New England, for, as far as the start of their schedule, if you just look at the personnel that they're going to be facing on these teams' front sevens, we have Miami. I mean, Miami in week one at home, that should be a top 12 matchup. At Seattle, if you look at their defensive front, that should be a top eight to 10 matchup. The Raiders should be a top eight to 10 matchup. And then KC is going to be a matchup that you're, you're going to want to play 
the, the starting running back for the opponent and that sort of marquee matchup too. So that's four weeks of top eight to 12 ish projected matchups for opposing runners. So if we do get him mainly at the beginning of the season, as you said, and we do, even if we just get that four or five weeks, man, he could help us get off to a fast start. If, if, if we're bold enough to play him <laughs> and, and, and that'll Absolutely. be the question. Um, all right. So speaking of running back, you know, we talked about Sony Michelle, who's a little bit hurt. Georgia uh, running back who's got a who's got a who's got a busted ass knee. There's another guy just like that named Todd Gurley who's going around the Saints. No, Todd Gurley. It's like it's interesting because I had my friend Matt Kelly, um, um, who I actually I think you were on the you were on Matt you were on the Roto Underworld pod. Recently. Yeah, but on Matt's show before, yeah. Right. Well, so we were talking it over this weekend on the SiriusXM show uh, about how. Gurley and David Johnson now, and some of these other guys, even Fournette sometimes are falling into round four of these drafts, which allow you to start out drafts. If you're maybe picking towards the back end of the first round, sometimes you can, you can hammer a running back and then get like a Julio Jones and then come back in the third round in the fourth round and get like a, if you're so inclined, get a Chris Carson and a Todd Gurley or, or David Johnson or something like that. It's an interesting start to drafts. I'm consistently now finding myself having to decide, though, between Todd Gurley and David Johnson. Do you have a lean there between those two players? Because Todd Gurley's ADP is, is what, four slots higher at the running back position than David Johnson. But David Johnson um, seems seems poised to me to, you know, he's in a very good offense, too. Um, maybe the injury concerns. Like, do, do, it They're feels kind, kind of in similar tough. spots, right? Yeah, do, do, do you have a lean one, one way or the other between these two guys? I don't have a strong feeling about it. I mean, I have Gurley ranked higher, um, but it's I really see them as very, very similar. They're both going to be volume-dependent guys. They're both going to be RB2s, in my opinion. And it really comes down to how you view them now, right? Like, Gurley is not the Gurley of old. We all have accepted that at this point. So he doesn't have that top five upside anymore. The injuries have sapped some of that explosiveness. But he's going to a situation where, if you look back at last year, how did he succeed? He succeeded by volume because they didn't really have anybody else that they were really confident in there. So he got a ton of work and scoring opportunities, got a lot of scoring opportunities, put up the touchdowns, kept him fantasy relevant. Well, guess what? He's going to Atlanta, another high powered offense where he doesn't have very much competition. I mean, I think we're all trying to figure out because of his injuries, who's going to be the backup there. Is it Brian Hill? Is it Kadri Olsen? Is it Ito Smith? Who's it going to be? We don't know. I mean, I guess I would make Brian Hill it's the guy. Brian that I would Hill. Pick. They they sent him out for the availability today on Zoom. So yeah, and he's I, gotten I some praise from the coaching staff and stuff. So I guess he would be the guy. But that's what we're having to rely on. If Gurley goes down, it's probably going to be some form of committee. I'm guessing it wouldn't be shocked if you know Brian Hill and then they have Kadri Olson as the goal line back, something like that. So we can't feel confident about that. But I think we can feel pretty confident that Todd Gurley is going to be the lead back and is going to get the bulk of the touches there. And that's going to put him in the same position where he's going to have all this volume and he's going to get the scoring opportunities and it's going to make him a decent RB2. Now, if you want more out of that position, if you want to get an RB2 who has the upside to maybe be a top five guy or a top 10 guy, I don't think that's girly anymore. So you're probably going to look elsewhere. And then David Johnson last year, similar situation where the system last year was giving him all the opportunity in the world. Those first six weeks, he was a top five fantasy back. People forget that. They remember that one clip where he looked so slow. That was in the second half of the season. That was when he was injured. He came back early. He was worried he was going to lose his starting job. He wasn't the same guy. Presumably, he's going to be healthy this year. He's going to a situation where Carlos Hyde rushed for a 1,000 yards last year. 
David Johnson can play that role and he's a way better receiver than Carlos Ides. So now he's going to get involved in that area more. They lose DeAndre Hopkins. They've talked about spreading around the passing game a little more. So now that maybe that goes to to David Johnson as well. He gets some more work there. So once again, I don't think either guy is as explosive as they used to be because the injuries, but I think both of them are in great situations. Now, when you're talking about roster build, I actually don't end up with those guys very often just because I, I tend to take receivers in that range because of the names you're getting there. The Juju Smith-Schusters and Robert Woods and even Calvin, like Terry Calvin McLaurin, Ridley. like Calvin Ridley. I'm normally going with those guys, so I don't tend to end up with those guys very often on my team because I worry that what if we are wrong? That's the thing. If you're not going to bet on the talent or the explosiveness and that stuff anymore, right, what if right. we end up being wrong about that volume and right. then all of a sudden, you don't feel so great about owning them. So, whereas those receivers, those guys we mentioned, all of them pretty much have chances to be, you know, top twelve receivers this year. So, I feel pretty confident in those guys, and that's why I tend to go receiver in that range. The 2020 Roster Watch Draft Cheat Sheet is available now at RosterWatch.com. The revolutionary cheat sheet is back. Just follow the three simple rules, and an expert quality draft is guaranteed. That's it. Three simple rules. It doesn't get any easier. Winning fantasy players don't use outdated magazines or expensive draft software that's impossible to navigate. Just bring along the Roster Watch Cheat Sheet to your draft and dominate. It's only $5.99. Download now at Roster rosterwatch.com it's the ultimate draft cheat sheet only at rosterwatch.com if that's your strategy you're going to end up usually with a with a lot of teams that a lot of teams that have those guys if you're going like the other Allen way, robinson dj moore like there's yeah, so many guys in that right. range that are really right. interesting who could even you know have bigger years this year than they had last year and that's saying something because Allen robinson last year had 98 catches and he was catching passes from uh an erratic mitch trubisky right oh, now God. I've been saying like either Nick Foles is going to come in and take over that job. And that's what I have projected that Foles is going to take over. I think I have him taking over around week three, week four, Um, or Nick Foles comes in and kind of helps push or even mentor Trubisky a little bit. And then we get a better version of Trubisky either way. It's great news for Allen Robinson in that passing game. Right. So to see him do what he did last year, I think he was the wide receiver eight, like 98 catches. I get over 1100 yards, seven touchdowns. If he can do that with the quarterback play last year, he could probably improve on that this year. And yeah, I mean, we see that guy just continue to produce with these terrible quarterbacks going back to Blake Bortles. So can we just get him like even average quarterback play for one year and see what he could do? Going going back to Christian Hackenberg. Yeah, I mean, exactly. He, it's been exactly. Bad. I'm, I'd like to know how good his high school quarterback was. I mean, he, he was probably terrible too, you know, based on, based on his, his history. So you mentioned Juju. I'm, I wanted to get back to a couple of running back things, but as long as we're talking about this sort of third ish, yeah, let's bounce round, around at this what, time of what, year, what, we could talk about anybody, right? What, what about, what, what about Juju? I, like I haven't heard of good, a good Juju sales pitch. Do you have a good Juju sales pitch? I think it's because the sales pitch is just so simple. The sales pitch is he was hurt last year. And Ben Roethlisberger wasn't there. And now that's it, right? Like literally to look at that offense last year, how bad was that offense last year? I can't believe it was unwatchable. How did they not go out and get a better backup? Like how did they not sign a Jameis or somebody like that? Like for what Jameis got signed for, like anyway, that's a whole separate story, but Ben's coming back. Is there worry that, you know, Ben's not going to hold up that he's not going to be the same player. Yeah, for sure. 
The guy's getting up there. He's coming back from this injury. We really don't know, right, to judge. And that's what I'm talking about. We're judging off these practice videos. You know, when they put out that hype video of Ben in the offseason, and it's yeah. like you got to remind everybody, they're taking, like, the best clips. Like, yeah, I think he's going to come back, <laughs> and I think he's going to be, even if he's 70 80% of what he was, that's so much better than what they had last year. But when you're watching those hype videos and stuff, you got to remember they're taking the best clips. And these practice videos, you know, sure, he, he looks good right now, but – What's he going to look like in week 10, week 12? Is that arm going to hold up? Like, we'll, we'll see. We don't really know at this point, but I'm willing to take that chance and go into this season with Ben as a starter with him, presumably being, you know, most of what he was. And that's going to put Juju right back up there. And I also think that Deontay Johnson coming on and I have him as a breakout candidate this year. I think that helps Juju as well, because remember Juju was producing with Antonio Brown there and he was putting up big time stats while playing across from a guy that was putting up even better stats than he was. So I don't think they're going to pass as much as they did two years ago when Ben led the league in attempts. I think the defense is better now. I don't think they're going to need to throw that much, but we know Ben's basically the offensive coordinator and Ben Roethlisberger loves to throw the ball. So they're not just going to become some run heavy offense. They're still going to throw it a lot. And now Juju might not have as much pressure with a guy like Deontay Johnson, maybe stepping up this year and maybe getting a little more experience after last season. And so I feel pretty good about a healthy Juju being able to produce with Ben there And I also feel good, like I keep talking about, about some of those other pass-catching weapons there. Not just Deontay Johnson, but I like Eric Ebron this year as a guy who could get back up to, you know, that seven, eight touchdown range maybe in a, Mm -hmm. you know, more explosive offense, a better quarterback play. That's an interesting idea, And he's going outside the top 20 tight ends. Like, there's so Mm -hmm. many tight ends. That's a whole other conversation, too, because there are so many, so many tight ends this year you could grab later. Even you're going to be able to grab off the waiver wire early in the season. Do you, do you just as a as a as a complete aside? Do you do you have a favorite out of that? Like Ian Thomas, Johnu Smith, kind of T.J. Hawkinson. Like, is there one of those dudes that you? I find myself getting a getting a ton of Johnu, uh, but I wonder, like, is there like a favorite that you have that you find yourself getting at the end of drafts? It depends how how deep this group you want to go for. But like uh, Gasecki definitely is up there. Um, I'm I pulling back his projection a little bit just because it seems like Preston Williams is healthier than I expected. Um, uh-huh. I thought him coming back maybe he'd start the season a little slow after the injury, but it seems like he's all systems go right now. Hawkinson. I think if I had to pick one guy who was just going to blow up and become like a top five tight end this year, it's probably Hawkinson. Cause everybody wants to forget that last year, this guy was one of the most complete tight end prospects we've it's ever seen. We've ever seen. Yeah. yeah. Like from on paper, one of the best prospects to come out and now he enters, you know, an offense that was really humming last season at the beginning of the year before oh, Stafford yeah. got hurt. So he's going to step in there. Who are you worried about? You know, Marvin Jones, you know, he keeps getting hurt. Like, is Marvin going to be able to get through a whole season? Are you really worried that Danny Amendola is going to slow down a breakout, potentially elite (laughs) tight end prospect? I'm not so worried about that. So I think this passing game, you know, DeAndre Swift coming in, maybe you could make an argument that that could hurt him a little bit because the tight end and running back targets tend to be a little bit correlated there. But I think Hawkinson is the real deal. I think this is going to be a guy who – in short order is going to get up into that elite tight end conversation and is going to be there for a long time. So whether this is the season, whether we're a year early, you know, he's going to be up there at some point. So I would take my shot on him. And the thing I like saying, cause at this point in the year, I love talking about draft strategy and all that. Right. Cause I think that's very important. Now we've been talking about sure. the players all off season, but when you're looking at draft strategy, you can kind of take your shot on any tight end. Like I like to try to grab one of the elite guys just because the advantage they give you, you know, 
you know, wide receiver one at worst wide receiver two kind of numbers out of your tight end position. That's fantastic. If you don't get one of them and you look a little deeper, you know, take your shot on a guy. Cause if it doesn't work out, kind of like I said with Ebron, there's so many guys that goes, you know, 23 deep, maybe let's say there's going to be guys that don't get drafted. And then you'll be able to pick them up on the waiver wire early in the season. And that's not even counting, you know, somebody like a Jay Sternberger, or a, you know, a Dawson Knox, Dan Arnold, those guys are all potential. Those are deeper sleepers, but those guys could step up as well. So there's going to be a lot of tight ends out there to fight over on the waiver wire. So if it doesn't work out and the guy I really relate that to is like a Tyler Higby. As long as he falls to that seven, eighth round range, you're not taking him, not being crazy, taking him the fifth or sure. sixth, yeah. take him in the seventh or eighth. Let's see if he can do what he did last year or give us 70, 80% of what he did last year, which would still be a pretty good, maybe top five tight end. And if he doesn't, yes. Great. You go get Ebron, you go get, you know, Irv Smith, somebody like that. So there's a bunch. I really like Chris Herndon too. I mean, I know we're jumping through all of them, but Hawkinson, uh, Herndon, guys who could really take on big roles in their offenses. And right now, Herndon, with all the injuries they have in the receiving core, yeah. maybe he's going to end up being their, their lead receiver this year, right? If, if uh, Jamison Crowder can't stay healthy, right. um, maybe he ends up getting up there because we see Perriman on the sidelines, Denzel Mims on top Mims. of being a rookie. He's also been banged up. So uh, love, love the tight end group this year. They even like Vincent Smith is now hurt. I think, so. I, I think they're talking about, I think they're talking about, a, I think Chris, Chris, Chris Hogan's running around out there. I, yeah. When you're, um, when you're bigging up Chris Hogan as one of your better receivers in camp, that's not a good sign for Sam Darnold either. Yeah. So you mentioned the possibility of TJ, the interaction, the target interaction and the correlation, the negative correlation between tight ends and running backs. And you mentioned Deandre Swift, it, which one of these guys between Deion, because with DeAndre Swift and J.K. Dobbins, I see them both in situations they come into a little bit more nebulous than certainly Clyde Edwards-Elair, probably John, probably even Jonathan Taylor. Um, seems like he's at least in a better spot, regardless of what you think of these guys as prospects. Who do you think has a better chance to break out this year, uh, DeAndre Swift or J.K. Dobbins? I think it's Swift, um, not only because I had Swift as my my top prospect in this running back class coming out, and then obviously landing spots shake that up quite a bit. But before the draft, (laughs) I had him as my number one guy, and then Taylor was number two. He moved above him, and then Edwards Hilaire obviously fallen into that perfect spot too. He moved up to my number one spot as far as like rookie dynasty rankings go. Right. Um, But looking at Dobbins and Swift, Swift right now, he's just got less competition, right? Like he's coming from this where he could win that job outright coming out of camp. He could be the top guy. I don't like what we're seeing with, you know, Kerry Johnson, his attitude one where he's just kind of like, yeah, I'm okay with being a committee back. He was he's been that. like that is what's so special about hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas. Hero bread serves up zero to one grams of net carbs, five to 11 grams of protein and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. He's been like that ever since his combine. He was it's saying he so wanted to be weird. a committee back. Yeah, he's like yeah. not concerned. And I get like that could extend your career and stuff. But in a fantasy back, I don't really think that's it's what you want to see. not an alpha dog mentality. Yeah, not right? Um from a receiving standpoint, Swift is a phenomenal receiver. I think right away, I think he's going to take over a lot of the receiving work in that backfield. And when you look at Swift, just from a prospect standpoint, I think he could have like that Alvin Kamara type rookie season where he just comes in 
and sets things on fire. And we already talked about how that offense, people might be sleeping on it because Stafford was Mm -hmm. hurt. And in the second half of last year, wasn't the same offense. Whereas if Stafford's healthy and all the weapons that they have there, they could be scoring quite a bit. Yeah. This explosive rookie rusher Um, Swift is the real deal. And then Dobbins, I'm not saying he couldn't do it. I didn't love him as much as a prospect, but he was a guy that falls into another great situation. So you got to put him right up there with everybody else. But Mark Ingram, he kind of gave that team an identity last year. And when you think of like the, the press conferences, and I know this is a weird kind of narrative that I'm going down, but yes. you think of like the press conferences last year where Ingram stepped up to the mic and he was giving props to Lamar Jackson and he right, was hyping yeah. up Lamar Jackson. He kind of talking, talking about how you should be talking about him for MVP, all this stuff. Right. Like, he, he was like the like mouthpiece. Right? He was the yeah. mouthpiece on that offense. So he's a big veteran presence on that team. And I would be very surprised if they just cast him aside. And I know, Dobbins is showing up in camp. There's been a few highlights out there, but at the same mm-hmm. time, you get the offensive coordinator saying, you know, we don't even know who it might be behind Mark Ingram every given week. So we might see like a, a Nick Chubb situation where later in the season, if Ingram gets a little banged up and he had that calf issue last year, that's something to keep in mind. That's not a, a great injury for a running back. Hopefully he's fully healthy and ready to go from that. But if he gets a little nicked up and opens that door for Dobbins, then maybe in the second half of the year, there's just no stopping him. But coming out of the gate, it's going to be Ingram and Dobbins is going to be the the backup. And he's got a, a tougher path, a tougher obstacle in order to get to that starting job, in my opinion. So that's what pushes him a, a little further down. Whereas Swift right now, I have him just outside of my RB twos and, and sort of in that RB 25 range. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if he beats that. And if I end up looking a little silly or looking like I maybe should have stuck with what I said before the draft where he was the top guy. Right, right, and it just it doesn't it doesn't hurt that carry on all all the quotes from carry on Johnson now are just about how he's getting comfortable with this some bulky ass knee brace they keep talking about. Yeah, like, you don't want to see a running back running yeah. around with a huge knee brace on either. Yeah. Like there's just to find positives about carry on at this point. And I was a big carry on supporter. I traded for him to be honest. I traded for him in dynasty last year. I don't remember right. what I gave up, but I think Debo Samuel was part of it. So I'm not it's feeling great about that. Too much. Yeah, it was probably too much. But, you know, I thought for all the reasons, though, that I'm saying for Swift, that's what I thought about carry on last year, that that offense had those pieces to really be productive. Um, now it seems like Swift is better positioned to be the one to take advantage of that. So high, high, high upside for Swift. Maybe not the high, maybe not the highest floor, but you're not taking him as you're likely not taking him as your RB two. He's probably a guy that you're going to, probably probably going to be to start off the season having in your flex though, based on where you have to take him right now. When, if you're doing like a modified zero RB build, right. If you're going to go with a running back in the first round, and then you're going to hit receiver and tight end hard. Swift is a perfect guy to go after in that fifth, sixth round. If he falls to the sixth, I would take him as my RB two If I was doing that kind of build, because now you'd be pretty stacked at receiver tight end. You got one uh, bell cow back that probably got in the first round. And now you got somebody like Swift who at least has that upside to potentially break out. And if he hits, you're probably on your way to a championship at that point. Whenever you talk about floors, how many guys can you count that have a better floor than, than Derrick Henry, regardless of the format? Uh, I mean, should, do, you, do you think Dalvin Cook has a safer floor than Derrick Henry? Uh, floor. Yeah. I, I honestly, I mean, the floor is that he gets nicked up and, and he doesn't want to show up to, <laughs> sure, to practice sure, anymore. Sure. So maybe no, but if we're, if we're not going to count that sort of thing, um, you know, injuries and stuff, I guess then, yeah, you'd say the floor is a little bit lower 
with Cook, but I'm not as high on Henry as everybody else is. And that it might be surprising because when I look around, it seems like everybody's moving him up into their top five, top six. But for me right now, I have him just a little bit outside of that. Still in my top 10, don't get me wrong. But I want to remember the last couple seasons where in the first half of the year, he wasn't doing nearly as much, right? Like last year in his first nine games, he only topped 90 rushing yards once in that stretch. And he had a few 80-yard games in there and stuff, but he wasn't setting the world on fire like he did in the second half of the season where it's like 149 rushing yards. And the reason right. that's important is because he's not really involved as a receiver that much. And I know another thing people kind of, I think, overreacted to, Darrington Evans comes out and fumbles Fumble. a couple times in one of his first practices. He's a rookie. It's one of his first practices. He's not being asked to be the starter. He's asked right. to be a complimentary weapon. So are they just going to discard him because of that? I don't think so. Maybe it turns out that he ends up being a bust, but there's a reason why they drafted him. It's that receiving ability that he brings. If it's not him, I feel like they're going to get somebody else in there that can help in the receiving game. They just don't seem to want to use Henry in that way. And that's not saying that he can't, because I actually think he's a little bit better of a receiver than they give him credit for. I think he could probably do it if they gave him a shot. So we'll see if that actually happens, but I'm not confident that it's going to. And then on top of that, can we be as sure that everything is going to go right for the Titans the way it did in the second half of last season? Like from an efficiency standpoint, that offense was about as close to perfect efficiency wise as you could get, right? Like their kicker barely needed to kick any field goals down the stretch because they were scoring touchdowns all the time. I wonder whether they're going to have to throw a little more. Are they going to be in those positive game scripts as much all season long? I don't know. Talent wise on that team. I'm not so sure that they're going to be so that's some of the reason why I'm not as high on Henry and why I actually think he has a bit lower of a floor because a lot of the teams that have taken him the last couple of years, and it wasn't me gladly, but right. or maybe not gladly the second half of the season, but gladly right. the first half of the season. I think a lot of those teams got in bad situations fantasy wise with their record because he wasn't giving them what they thought they were going to get. And then you end up having a losing record early in the year. Maybe you traded him away or maybe you just never even made the playoffs. And then you watch him go rush for 149 or 200 rushing yards in the fantasy playoffs. And everybody who does have him and made it ends up getting to a title. Uh, That's the thing. Are we going to see him do it for a whole 16 game season? It's possible, but I'm not as confident, I guess, as most people. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's sort of the Miles Sanders syndrome from last year or the Odell Beckham Jr. syndrome from his rookie year. It's like if you drafted him and, you know, you try to play him at the beginning. You you might have not made your playoffs if you picked him up after somebody dropped him and you started him down the started him down the stretch. And the other thing is those teams that drafted Derrick Henry previously, they weren't spending a first round pick on him. You know, they weren't, they weren't using their first round draft capital. It's true. So, he was still going it. fairly high as like a bell cow back, but yeah. And now, and yeah, now like you're saying, like now you have to pay that premium. So right. hopefully he comes through for everybody, but I'm not taking him until really the late first round, which means I'm not really ended up with him anywhere. Just a, a couple of quick wide wide receiver questions, Justin. I I I um very very respectful of your time here, and want to make sure that we don't go over. But I just I wanted to ask you about this. What do you what do you think about um, Cortland Sutton, and how do you juxtapose him with Devontae? Why is Devontae Parker going so much later than Cortland Sutton? In in your opinion. Well, if you think like Parker and I like both these guys, I have them fairly close. I have Sutton wide receiver 20. I have Parker wide receiver 24, I believe. Um, 
I think what it comes down to is that, and maybe why people are scared off of Parker, he didn't really explode until Preston Williams got hurt last year. In fact, Preston Williams was leading in a bunch of the receiving categories at the point where he got hurt. And then when he went down, all of a sudden Fitzpatrick just locked on and was just targeting Parker. Maybe like he's never been targeted in his career. And it was great to see him come through and finally show what, I think we all knew he had, like he had that talent. It was just a matter of whether it was actually going to come together for him on an NFL field. And it finally did. And that's fantastic. And they gave him the extension and, you know, maybe he picks up where he left off, but I touched on it earlier. Preston Williams seems a little healthier than maybe we expected him to be at this point. So if he comes back in and he comes out of the gate and he's good, he's good to go right away. Excuse me. Um, I, I don't know. I I, I get why people are a little less excited about Parker and not just focusing in on what he did in the second half of last year. Now, when you look at Sutton, they also brought in, you know, a lot of pieces here, but a lot of them are rookies, right? Like he, he has no fan who's a second year player. Um, you know, Fant has to contend with Albert Okuebunum at tight end who could come in, catch some touchdowns there. Very, very impressive use of the last name. Very good. <laughs> and people, well, we have to practice that one all off season to get it right. right. Um, at receiver, right? Jerry Judy, once again, a rookie coming in. Hamler's a little banged up. KJ Hamler, another rookie, not a guy who's going to come in and maybe be one of their top two, but someone else who could attract some targets there. So Sutton, meanwhile, in training camp, has just apparently been the lead dog. He's the alpha guy there. He's established himself. It doesn't really seem like there's that much of a conversation about whether is he going to be the guy or somebody else, you know, maybe down the road, Judy could challenge, but right now it seems like Sutton's pretty locked in as the the top guy there. So if you want to question, are they going to run the ball more? They're not going to throw as much volume could be a concern, but we saw Sutton do it last year. Um, there's a lot of upside, I think, with all of those pieces in that offense. And then when you look, another thing with the Dolphins is we're going to have a quarterback change here at some point. Maybe we will with right. the Broncos, too, if Drew Locke can't get it done. Maybe they, we'll have a quarterback change, yeah. there too. They don't want that to happen. But They don't want that. They in want that. in Miami, we know that quarterback change is coming. It's just a matter of time when and could that change things, for better or worse. But it just adds uncertainty, right, that right. a new quarterback comes in who's his favorite target going to be. Maybe he starts to target the tight end even more, right? Like that kind of stuff could change throughout the year. So all those things I think are why people are shying away from Parker a little bit. And myself, like I said, I would take Sutton first, but it's pretty close for me. You mentioned how egregious the Steelers handled their quarterback situation after seeing how things could just absolutely go to curtains last year. I think another team that's vying for that, just complete irresponsibility of the quarterback position is the Denver Broncos with what they put behind. True. What is his Brett? Is it Brett Rippon and Jeff Driscoll? Is Jeff that who Driscoll? Is? Jeff Driscoll. Just, Come on, he's he had some good yeah, fantasy weeks. He was running around a little bit. I, I, I guess he did get it. He, <laughs> with he got the Lions, with, yeah. with his, a, a few points with, with with his legs. All right. So, what about late round? Um, let's let's talk about these Colts guys. If you're going with one of the one of the late, are you interested in either the uh, Colts wide receivers that you can get late, Paris Campbell or Michael Pittman? And is there one that you prefer over the other uh i am uh, i like both of them i would take shots on them uh but campbell would be the guy for me um i just love what we've heard um going back to last year and, and seeing him you know as a prospect there was a lot of buzz before the season that he was going to be able to do something as a rookie that he was standing out and then he gets hurt has this injury riddled season and it never really happened for him but I love what we were hearing right away in the offseason, February, March. Frank Reich was talking about how 
Paris Campbell is in the gym. He's working hard. He's out working everybody to try to rebuild his body so that he doesn't get injured. That shows me that's a guy who wants it, right? That's a guy that knows the talent he has and is going to put in the effort to get there. And what do we hear in training camp? Again, boom, he is showing out again. We have T.Y. Hilton, meanwhile, who's on the other end of his career. He's got a hamstring injury, you know, soft tissue injuries. They could linger. We've seen T.Y. miss some games last couple seasons. And Campbell is really the replacement for Ty in that offense, and I really like I really like his situation. Now Pittman coming in as a rookie and a receiver. Receivers sometimes can take a little longer, and I think Pittman to me was a guy that might need a little bit more time. He could definitely come in and have a big red zone role, and maybe he puts up a big red zone you know touchdown total there, and that gets him into you know, whatever range, maybe he becomes sort of a replacement guy. You could throw in your lineup during bye weeks or something, but I don't think Pittman has as good of a shot in his rookie season to step up and be a weekly fantasy starter. Whereas Campbell, in my mind, it wouldn't stun me if that happened this year. And he came out of nowhere to be a wide receiver three, maybe even a little bit better. Like he has that kind of upside in my opinion, maybe Pittman does too, but I think we're going to look at, it's going to take him a little longer to develop and and to get there. Uh, But man, what a team the Colts are building. You got all the respect in the world to, to Ballard, their GM and man, they're doing it right. They're building up on the defensive side of the ball. The offensive line is fantastic. And I don't love Phillip rivers. He didn't look great last year, but behind a really good offensive line, he could do just enough. They're going to run the ball a ton. Jonathan Taylor is somebody that every time I do my rankings and projections, I keep moving Taylor up. He's at RB 16 now for me. He should be going to the third round. Most of his ADPs are in the, the fourth round yeah. still. I want pieces of that offense, absolutely. And uh, Campbell would be the one if I was going to go with one of those late receivers. He's he's one of the players I'm most excited about this. I mean, I'm just I'm most excited to see him in that specific situation, given his exact skill set. Um, Justin Boone, you're a hell of a guy, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Why don't you tell the people? It's it's at Justin Boone on Twitter. Uh, you're over at thescore.com. Tell the people what you guys got going on for your you know your your draft your draft stuff, uh, ways they can connect with you, anything you want to promote, go ahead and let them. Well, I mean, first off, you got to download the the score app. It's free. And on top of the fantasy stuff, it's where all my content is, but the app itself, it's just so easy to use. It's the best sports app out there. And I was saying that even before I worked at the score. So that's not just (laughs) something I started saying once I got there. it's a great app. I can. Well, I, I appreciate. I, I I have it here on my phone. I appreciate you saying that. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. I feel like it's the one where if you're using ESPN or others, as soon as you download the score, you're like, wow, and you you got the <laughs> score, and you never go you never go back. Um, but with our content, I mean, our draft kit is free over at the score, so it's got the most accurate rankings in the industry as of last year um, in it. So I can, I can finally hype myself up a little bit and say that, yeah. Uh, but yeah, completely free. Everything's in there. Mock draft, strength, of schedule, tiers, auction values, my projections as well, doing a big rankings and projections update that's coming out later today. Um, we got my strategy series. Uh, I just put out the second part of the three part, whether you're picking at the beginning of the round, the middle of the round or the end of the round, I kind of walk you through what I would do and players in each round that I'm looking at. So I would check that out. Um, offensive line rankings, all that stuff. The draft kit is just absolutely loaded. Uh, the score fantasy football, uh, podcast, uh, we're doing two, three episodes a week right now. 
Um, tons of great guests we've had on recently. So that's been fantastic as well. Uh, during the season, we'll do two or three episodes a week. So check that out. Um, and yeah, on Twitter at Justin Boone, all your questions, everything. I love interacting with everybody on there. And we were joking around a bit before the show. We love keeping it positive too, right? Everything on Twitter. Right. Let's keep it. There's so much negative on Twitter. You know, some of it's creeped into the fantasy world, but a lot of it is, you know, in politics and other stuff. And if we can keep it positive, let's do that. There's no reason to to tear everybody down. So uh, keep it as positive as we can and get everybody ready for the fantasy season. And it, Twitter helps set up things like this, right? Like, uh, uh, you know, it's gr- glad that we were able to, to hook up on Twitter through the DMs and, and set this up. And and I hope we can do it again down the road. Well, I just I just subscribed to the uh, Score Fantasy Football app. It looks like you had a new episode that came out just on Friday. The early look at top prospects for 2021. And beyond, which is an inch, which is a very interesting, we, we jumped, very interesting topic. Very well, interesting I felt topic. like I'm as gonna, much as we're listening to that, as much as we're focused on training camp and everything, the fact that the college season is going to be limited or not happen at all. I was really curious, you know, and we brought in a, a great Debbie guy, uh, Ray Garvin, Ray GQ on Twitter to talk about, great. You know, yeah, what that means for these prospects, who's going to be affected the most. And right now, because we're not going to necessarily have the same kind of season we normally would or any season at all, um, you know, where these guys are at, because you won't see a guy like Joe Burrow come in and, you know, maybe have that massive monster year and vault himself up to, to number right. one. So, yeah, uh, that was a great episode, but we got lots of stuff on, you know, the training camps and I, we did a position preview series, went through each position individually for an episode. So tons of great stuff on there. Um, yeah. And I appreciate you having me on, man. This was fantastic. I'm glad we were finally able to connect. Maybe I'll get a little bit, maybe I'll just get a small bit of my Rondale more fix. If I listen to that, listen to that. (laughs) He was mentioned. He was absolutely mentioned. Uh, Yeah. uh, All right. So, uh, final, final question. I get, I get you out of here, Justin. Thanks. Thanks again so much for coming on. So just tell me the the player right now, the player right now, whose ADP is the stupidest, the most cockamamie. You just, you cannot understand it for the life of you. So after I just talked about how positive we all should be, you're going to make me go negative about (laughs) Cooper cup. Oh my God. Cooper cup. Oh, he's a golden son. Let's I got to hear it. I got to hear it. All right. So Cooper Cup right now is ADPs in like the third round. And if you just want to look at the receivers, we talked about them earlier. I want all those guys above him, all the Allen Robinsons and DJ Moores and Juju. I'm taking all of those guys above him. Now, last season, I feel like I'm sure you've mentioned it on here before. Everybody's talked about it the whole offseason. In the second half of the year, the Rams made that switch and they went to more two tight end sets, the 12 personnel there, and decided they were going to feature Robert Woods and Tyler Higby and not feature Cooper cup anymore. And now in 12 sets, you got to put cup on the outside at that point. And cups not really built to play on the outside. Matt Harmon reception perception. He's talked about it recently, how poorly cup grades out against man coverage, how he's not really set up to succeed on the outside and how, on the inside in the slot, Sean McVay was really able to scheme him open and they used him a ton. And man, he was fantastic. The first half of last year, you can make an argument that he was the second best fantasy receiver behind Michael Thomas. Like he was that good early in the year, but I think he's a product of that system. So then the question becomes, are they going to continue with the 12 personnel? Are they going to go back to 11? I think they're built really personnel wise to stick with the 12 more. And I'm sure they're going to mix both of them up and, you know, they'll play in, in each of them at some point. But I think with Gerald Everett coming back with Higby doing what he did late last season, 
they're more built to play that 12 that can help the offensive line a little bit as well. And they got some issues there. So I think that's, what's going to happen. I think they're getting ready for life without Cooper cup. I don't think we're going to see him sign another contract with that team. So I think whether it's Van Jefferson or Josh Reynolds, I think somebody else is going to step up in that offense. So there's a lot of reasons in my, in my mind. And when you look at, you want to look at stats in the second half of the season last year, when they made that switch, he only topped 65 yards once in the second half of the year and really salvaged his fantasy value with touchdowns. And he had like a streak of, I think he had five straight games with a touchdown, but that's the kind of thing like touchdowns are hard to predict. Mm-hmm. That's something that is probably going to regress here. So I'm not as confident about Cooper cup and for where he's going, not just the really sorry about that. I didn't think we we're going to go that long. I had that alarm still going. Um, I really think that for where he's going in the third round, whether you want to talk about the wide receivers that are there, the running backs that are there, there's no reason to take Cooper cup there. I might take him in like the fifth, but once again, when you talk about ADPs, I'm not going to get him in the fifth. I'm sure someone else is going to jump on him, but not a guy that I want whatsoever. And on the flip side, I'm all over Robert Woods, who really has been a top 15 fantasy receiver ever since Sean McVay showed up. If you take his on pace stats from that uh, first year, he only played 12 games. He would have been inside that top 15 as well. So he's on the opposite end of he's going to have some positive touchdown regression coming for him because he only scored three times last year. So I like a lot of pieces in that offense. I would take a shot on some of the guys in that backfield. I would take a shot on Higby, like I said earlier. And I really want Robert Woods where you can get him in like the fourth round. Um, But Cooper Cup, not somebody that I'm going to own. I don't think I have a single share of him this year. 